Hello, I'm Sasha, and this is Q&A Thursday. Sorry to my listener for being absent without notice. I was getting married, which is still crazy to say and crazy to me to think about. We are back for our final run of Q&A Thursday. Over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at fear, Trump, and the relevance of religion. This week, though, we're talking about the media. Dr. David Altaide is a professor at Arizona State University, and he has made a career of studying media and messaging, most recently looking at social media. I caught up with him by phone earlier this year. Well, uh, I, I did listen to um, that interview on Brave New World, and uh, as the interview was winding down, I thought of a question. I wrote it down, and I thought the question itself was indicative of the power of what you're talking about. The question that I wrote down is this. What's the danger of multiple social media lenses producing smaller narratives? You know, even for myself, when I'm writing these questions out, I find myself caught in this fear kind of distress loop, right? Where I'm not, I I seem almost incapable of framing questions in such a way that they don't sound alarmist. And it occurs to me that maybe I'm, I am myself a product of this fear-based culture that you're talking about. Well, if you use uh, popular culture, and apparently in your work you you do that, you are increasingly a product of this, uh, what I call it, increasingly this sort of discourse of fear, the sense that, uh, you know, threat and danger are pervasive and constantly upon us. What happens is this finds its way into our uh, sort of everyday consciousness and lingo for, and for how we talk about it. And increasingly it starts crowding out other kinds of, uh, other kinds of words. This, this discourse of fear, this, this perspective, it's practice, it's something that we, we're socialized into through innumerable repetitions in different kinds of contexts. Mm-hmm. And, and that was that was one of the first things we found in some of the the early work that I I chronicled in the first book called Creating Fear that that what happens any kind of uh, problem or issue gets starts getting framed a little bit um, and this is partly through media logic now with entertainment issues and so on and the way it gets framed and spits out then we pick it up and we start repeating. The whole thing, and so it becomes very difficult to even imagine sometimes talking about things in a in a much different way. Yes. So, what would be the process to uh, you know evaluate information in such a way that you're kind of removing the sphere lens? How how would you go about doing that? Well, you you sort of start getting some comparative sources of information. And uh, you apply uh, some critical thinking, and and you you come up with alternative terminology. So, for example, one of the things that I suggested a number of years ago is we 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 might practice or focus a little bit on using terms like uh, concern or a matter at hand or or to examine we want to look at something uh, is, is to actually try and avoid using the word fear as much as possible and with that you know some of the 
the associated terms, you know, the dangers and so on. I mean, I mean, what's happened? The whole the whole sense of fear has been has been perverted through the the popular culture, and especially because of the way that that uh, the mass media operate with entertainment. Uh, for example, we we actually often think that the things we fear are bad, and you know what we forget is that you know people that really work with dangerous things like uh, uh, you know fire personnel, for example. Yeah. Uh, basically, they they respect fire, but in a way they they don't totally fear it. You know, they understand it and so on. You know, it's dangerous. Mm, very interesting. And so on, but. But they talk about it in other kinds of terms. Yeah. So what's happened is we now associate, Sasha, certain issues and problems with fear. Um, gangs, uh, drugs, increasingly immigration, uh, certain diseases like AIDS. In some of my early work, we found, for example, that media reports actually tended to associate fear more with AIDS than they did cancer. We've examined cancer, and we have different terms for it, and we know there's not one type of cancer, and you know, it operates in different ways, and everybody would agree cancer's not a good thing to have, and you know, you'd like to avoid it and prevent it and so on, but, but it doesn't have the same alarm as, say, terrorism does. Right. Pretty soon what happens, Sasha, is you no longer even have to say fear. You say the term and there's right. a connotation. Right. Fear. Yeah. It sounds like as well that um, there's almost a less of a, uh, there's less of a, a premium placed, placed on understanding the facts and that if we if we understand less the facts, uh, this fear narrative can be um, can be furthered. Yeah, rhetoric trumps facts. Okay, uh, all I know is there are terrorists out there. That's all I know. Okay? Right, and yeah. that's all that matters. Screams a politician. Right. I know Americans are under attack. That's that's all I know. Right. Um, facts, yeah, facts become um, sort of part of another of another narrative. Any anything that that smacks of of, of analysis and reflection is uh, is is often actually derided as being uh, you know avoiding the real problem, the real issue, um, and so forth, because there's certain ways that we need to talk about it and, and to and to frame it and define it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean I mean the most the most important thing a wise sociologist said a number of years ago, the most important thing you can know about someone is what they take for granted. Okay? And one of the most powerful things in the world, and indeed for me a definition of power, is the ability to define a situation. So the language you use and the imagery you use associated with that, as long as that sets the definition of the situation out there, then half the battle is won, so to speak. Okay? And you've got people's attention that this is the 
the threat, the danger, uh, to keep them watching, reading, and so forth. And uh, uh, this is what we need to operate with now, and this is what we need to avoid. And everything else becomes becomes somewhat secondary to it. So we have seen this um, fact versus opinion. I, I, I've heard you refer to that fact versus opinion. That now everything facts are being treated as opinions. And we see this all over social media, obviously, starting to see it alarmingly uh, in the news. I actually hadn't even put that together until I heard you say that, so um, thank you for that. Um, but what do you think the outworking of that is, and uh, where, does, where does that, where will that lead us? You know, we're dealing with uh, climate change, for example, and we're saying that, you know, well, the opinion, the science isn't in, and there are opinions on both sides, and... This seems to apply to so many different of major issues in our culture right now. Um, what is what's the end goal in treating everything, treating facts as opinion? Well, it's it, it's it's really about um, social control. That is getting people to do certain things, to act in certain ways, uh, primarily to turn things over toward. Uh, trusted authorities that are going to, um, in most cases, keep us safe. Okay, um, so 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 you the 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 issues get cast in a certain way, um, and and it's a good way to, to illustrate that. I think Sasha is the example you've used. Climate change. Climate change. That term, that phrase had been around for a long time, but it really became more popularized um, out of a practiced effort primarily by Republicans in the United States, and they hired some media consultants, and they worked very hard to diffuse the notion of another very threatening concept to a whole industry, and that was global warming. Right. Okay. So climate change became an accepted alternative to global warming. Right, right. You can track the use of that, and, we, and we've done this. You can track the change in, in the major news media over the years, the shift from that. And I can't give you a precise date when that happened, but there was a period of several months where that change happened, and that's because it, that became part of the talking point. And then everybody started phrasing it that way. Right. So, so you see, you see the problem. What happened? Yeah. Asked it. Well, okay. Now, so we're dealing with climate change. Now, of course, that might be warmer. It might be cooler. Certainly, the climate's part of us, and so on. And that's not really it at all. The issue is CO two. Yeah. And and the warming of the atmosphere, and the consequences it has. But but that was science. Okay, and that was scientific experts, and that if that was if that was true, if if it became absolutely true and accepted um, and gospel, so to speak, that global warming was going on, and that and that humans were the cause of it, then this this could have some other policy implications that would not be good for a number of economic and political interests. Knowing all this. Empowered with this information, what can a person like me do in my daily life 
to combat or to exist within the culture of fear without being subject to it? Well, the first thing you do is you recognize it for what it is. And you, and you become aware that the way that uh, information is presented and uh, the way that certain things are emphasized and stressed, that these are um, distorting. Okay, and then you say, okay, what's another way to think about this? What's another source to look at this? And especially the main thing we want to uh, uh, familiarize uh, people, students with, is this notion of framing, basically framing. How is this being framed? We're talking about drugs now, for example. Is this being framed as a crime problem or as a public health problem? And so the, and so the idea is for a reader or a listener to say, hmm, well, first, I wonder where that information came from, Now I wonder if there's another way to look at that. And I wonder what's behind that. And you ask two or three questions like that, and and that will take you a long way, because then that might get you looking for other kinds of uh, um, terms and other sources of information. What, what we want to promote is, is you know, some kind of critical, just critical comparative thinking. Yeah. What if that's all there is to it? I wonder if there's another way to look at that here. It sounds like, I was just about to say, you know, it, it does sound like this is a, an almost an education system uh, solution. You know, how people are trained or how we go about um, evaluating information. Yeah, well, you know, and it takes, you know, your, your, your questions are sound on that, on that score. We, I mean, we've been hit with this, certainly in the United States, or depending how you cut it, for probably 40 years, it's really intensified over the last 30 with this this uh, um, discourse of fear involving crime and danger and so forth, and this carried right up through the war on terrorism. Right. Okay? And then some of these other other kinds of concerns. And the, with your your opening, I think, a question about so, and social media has taken this stuff and and just uh, extended it. And, and, so, and so now increasingly there's no longer a, some, a, a basic body of solid information sort, sort of factually based that people can even, you know, uh, uh, share anymore. You know, mm -hmm. one, of the only, one of the few things we share in the United States anymore is a Super Bowl. I mean, I mean so it, it becomes very difficult to have a discussion about these things because, uh, you know, as you suggest, well, everything's just opinion. And uh, my opinion is as good as anybody else's, and I can cite, even cite some sources for my opinion. And uh, that's cool because I can promote my opinion out there. Then I become, I become kind of a, a storyteller, too. That gets me respect, too. Isn't that part of the um, proliferation of, of, you know, education, that people are now more educated, by and large, population is better educated than it has been in the past, so people, and with the internet being the way it is, so much information available at the fingertips that uh, people perhaps think they're educating themselves and, and consider themselves to be authorities? Yes, because the information is available, it's, it's, not, it's not vetted, uh, also all the information is equal. 
Right. See, in, in, in the minds of people. And, and part of it is, and I, 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 uh, I did some work on this a number of years ago, has to do with this format issue that you run across in a lot of my work. The way information looks and it is presented. Right. And all the information looks the same in print. On the screen, you know, it's type. It looks, it looks solid. It looks finished. Um, it, it doesn't look uh, harebrained. You know, it doesn't look off the, off the cuff. Okay. Um, so you can get a statement from a uh, internationally recognized um, climate scientist, and you can get a statement from a, uh, um, a you know an evangelical uh, person in the United States that believes the world was really created in seven days. So it's it's almost like the internet becoming a publishing becoming a forum where things are published has has become a place that is almost trusted, just ad hoc. Well, yes, because the information's there, and, and you can find it. Right. So, so, but don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting, and I know you're not asking this, but I'm not suggesting the Internet is bad. Right, right, right. Bad. But there's trade-offs. Yeah. With all of our technological improvements involving communication, there's always trade-offs. And sometimes that upsets people. They say, well, no, damn it. I want to know the answer. Is it good or bad? Well, it, you know, it, it depends. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, on the one hand, look at the information you can find out about. You know, I mean, if you, if you can ask what we like to think and, and learn, the purpose of education is to learn to ask, the, you know, the informed question, right? And, and now when you ask the right informed question, you can look for all kinds of stuff and you, then you can sort it out. Through education, hopefully you've learned some critical thinking. Yeah. You know, and some guy says, the moon is made of cheese. We know this now. We say, well, no, wait a minute. If the moon is really made of cheese, what would happen? You know, yeah. you can at least do that. Um, but but that's, that, that's the trade-off. Simply providing uh, information to people without some sense of what's knowledge and what is uh, uh, credible is, is simply... Uh, a risk mm. of the internet, and uh, it's something that more and more people like to participate in, yes. and that has that has some consequences. Well, Dr. Alkaidi, thank you so much for your time. Okay, glad glad, glad to help. I'd be interested in anything that you uh, come up with. Perhaps you can send it to me. I certainly will. Thanks very much, sir. If I have any other questions, I hope I, I hope I'm free to call you. Sure. Thank, thank you me. very much. Well, that's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Dr. Altidy. You, dear listener, can connect with me on Twitter if you choose to at Sasha in context. I am Sasha. This has been Q&A Thursday. I'll speak to you next week. Thank you for your time. <laughs>